Hello, and thank you for joining us for this episode of Burn Your Draft, an exploration of the Reed College senior thesis process and experience. I'm your host, Frank Tangerlini, and this week we'll be talking with Jade Fung. Quarantine has created an atmosphere for a lot of difficult conversations with friends and especially families. Today we will hear from Jade about her research study on gender and pronouns amongst Reed students. Okay, sweet. So welcome, Jade. Um, <laughs> Thanks. Do you want to start by giving your name, where you're from, what department major you're in, and where you're adding your thesis process? Um, <laughs> <laughs> sure. Uh, I'm Jade. I use she, her pronouns. Um, I just graduated, class of 20. Um, I was in the psych department and I did my um, thesis on gendered pronouns and misgendering um, in like various contexts at Reed. Um, yeah. Sweet. Uh, congratulations on graduating. Um, <laughs> what was the title of your thesis? Oh boy. Um, it was, it was, it's actually a joke. Um, it was pronouns good or bad. Um, I think Hold on, let's see. Okay, pronouns good or bad, attitudes and relationships with gendered pronouns in gender diverse undergraduates. So there's like two jokes, right? Um, the first joke is the first part, pronouns good or bad. Obviously they're neither good nor bad, so that's a joke. Uh, and then the second part is gender diverse, which is a term that I kind of throw around a couple of times in the introduction, but never actually define it. Um, and I chose that because it's like a completely meaningless term <laughs> that everyone who I asked like was basically like, yeah, honestly, like, okay, it's diverse, but like, no, in no way is it specified. Um, and so I was like, okay, great. I will just <laughs> use that in the title. Nice. <laughs> so what was your thesis about? It was about gender pronouns, so like, he, she, they, um, there are some other ones too. And so those are, you know, like obviously everyone uses pronouns, but um, not something that's actually been looked at in psych literature or gender literature or sociology literature. And so I wanted to like look at that. It, it's also about, you know, so like it's about pronouns and relationships with them, but it's also about sort of navigating the world, um, like as someone who uses pronouns and maybe as someone who like uses pronouns that might not be what one might first assume when seeing someone, right? And so, um, yeah, so, you know, it's called misgendering. So like if someone was to call me like he, like that's not the pronouns I use, so that would be misgendering, right? Because it's a mislastification of my gender and like, because I'm trans, like some people might read a different pronoun off of my body and make assumptions about that, right? We really intentionally looked at um, cisgender population, the cisgender population at Reed as well to sort of see like, okay, like we understand that like trans and non-binary people get misgendered, but like, do cis people get misgendered? Um, like, how do they feel about that? Does it bother them? You know, is it something that they're used to? 
do they even notice it? Yeah. So that kind of thing. So how did you go in? How did you look at pronouns through a psych lens? Sort of broadly, like the thesis could be classified as like a sociology thesis. If you really like wanted, if I was like a sociology major, um, it would be like reasonable. <laughs> um, you know, so it's not necessarily a, it's not. I just meant how, how did you like collect that data and how did you look at it? Oh, sure. Did you take the thesis or my thesis survey? I didn't. I kept meaning to. I collected a bunch of little things. I know I knew coming into this that this would come up and I, I (laughs) I feel really bad about it. I can't believe you're one or you're two and three readies. Two and three readies didn't take my survey, but one and three did. I I was very impressed when I saw the different, I don't know, (laughs) posters and things. I'm sorry about that. But how, what were the different questions? Uh, This is actually kind of another large part of the thesis is that like previous studies on trans people and like gender um, have collected really kind of like limited like demographic data when it comes to gender rights. So I didn't see any thesis that, or I didn't see any study in the literature that actually connected or um, collected and presented participant pronouns. Like I think it's it was commonly collected as like a, like how should the researcher refer to you, but it wasn't actually integrated into the analysis, right? Um, so that was one thing. And then the second thing is that like a lot of the gender you know, questions are really bad, right? So like a multiple choice option, like isn't going to like have all of the possible like ways someone might describe their gender. Um, And Mm -hmm. it also like just kind of limits you to maybe, you know, maybe on a good day you have like seven options or whatever. Um, And maybe you can choose multiple, but, it's really limited in that regard mm-hmm. so we actually had just like three three write-in boxes that was like what are your pronouns what's your gender and what's your sexual orientation and then we had three additional yes no questions that could all be answered independently of one another um where we asked are you cisgender are you transgender and is your gender non-binary um so that was how we collected pronoun and gender data um trying to sort of separate or allow people to describe themselves in the write-in boxes but still gather significant um like sort of data for analysis with the yes no questions and also allowing people to sort of classify their genders in multiple ways so like if someone maybe identifies as as a woman but like not completely they might just write in like the gender box like i'm a woman but like when we ask them like, is your gender non-binary, they might be like, oh, like I actually, yeah, it is. Um, but that's not in a sort of collection of labels that I use to describe my gender. Um, and so we were able to do, we were able to take like that data and sort of create these sort of artificial gender categories that were sort of more useful for analysis in not just disaggregating like the cis and transgender experience, but like within the sort of non-cisgender experience, like we had like trans men and trans women, but then we also had three non-binary categories. We had a cis non-binary category, just a non-binary category, and we had a trans non-binary category. And those three non-binary categories were based off of how people answered 
those last three questions. So there are some people who are cis, but maybe they use different pronouns, you know, like might add they into the mix. Um, and then they would, you know, so, but, but generally, you know, when the, in the broad scheme, like mostly identify with, you know, their sort of gender assigned at birth. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Was the lack of previous studies and any analysis kind of thing hard to do for a literary review? Like, did it, <laughs> was that a challenge? Um, yes, it was. So I got a B plus on my thesis because I had like a two page literature review. <laughs> I sort of tried to circumnavigate the necessity for a lit review by sort of writing out this section that I called research principles, where I basically like said that like most gender literature is like pretty trash. So I like just excluded every single study that didn't um, kind of like treat gender as like a, you know, not just a binary uh, that didn't have separate sort of scales and questions for like, you know, FTM transgender and MTF transgender um, and sort of like didn't make super um, broad generalizations, I guess, about what it means to be a certain kind of trans mm -hmm. or a certain kind of gender. Yeah. Were there any other challenges that you faced during the thesis process? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Uh, the analysis was hard because actually, you know, I had this terrible problem of having way too much data. <laughs> um, having a sample size of like just shy of 500 meant that I had to really pick and choose what analysis I did. And so that was actually like a legitimate challenge um, in kind of limiting myself to like descriptive statistics, which actually ended up like taking a huge proportion of the analysis because I did like descriptive stats on like every single one of my items. And I think there were 33 items, aka kind of like questions in the survey. And so, yeah, so that was kind of the big challenge, actually, sort of when we when we started the survey, I think we started in kind of early February and mm -hmm. then like two days. We, and, and then when, when we submitted the IRB proposal, my thesis advisor, Vasily, was like, um, like, how many people do you think you'll get? And I was like, oh, I, I don't really know. Like, I'm hoping like it does. It does well. And he was like, oh, like, you know. With these surveys, like, you know, in my experience, like the most you can really expect is 40 people. So <laughs> in the IRB proposal, I put 40, um, That's I think. Crazy. And then, yeah, I know, right, it is crazy. And then um, we got 40 in like the first 24 hours. <laughs> <laughs> and so he was like, wow, that's like, uh, like 35 more people than I really expected in the first like day. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, it kind of like, yeah, took off. What is an IRB proposal? Right. So all research involving um, a live, I think uh, all research involving human participants uh, has to be approved by the um, Institutional Review Board. So it's like, it's just faculty members, I think, and some staff who just have to review every single research proposal. Um, and like make sure it's not super 
unethical or something mm -hmm. or like if if it is possible that like someone might be like seriously kind of jarred by the research um like making sure you have like a debriefing and like other support systems for that is that part of choosing your topic like that part of the year uh no so the irb proposal is like once you've chosen your topic and you've planned your methods out you will have kind of if you're doing a survey you'll have all your research questions or if you're doing um yeah some other you know um thing like you need to have all your methods planned out and then you submit that to the irb and then there's different review levels sort of there's like like exempt where you can just have like one person just like basically like this is fine uh limited review which is like there might be some discomfort and then you have sort of higher and higher levels which involve more and more reviewers okay so you've told us a little bit about the research method what was the outcome of your thesis project were you able to reach an outcome before leaving campus uh not before leaving campus really because well i don't know like no um but i was like kind of definitely one of the lucky ones in that i had all of my data collection done when we had to leave campus and i like live in an apartment um like not very far from campus um and so i didn't need to move um and so i yeah so i didn't didn't really reach a conclusion until like late march April, kind of late April, I suppose. There are a couple of main conclusions. The first conclusion that I drew from the data is that um, basically like pronouns, while they're definitely like closely correlated with gender are not like a reliable, like an actual indicator of one's gender. Um, so there were a lot of people who have the same gender who like use completely different sets of pronouns um like you have non-binary people who will only use one pronoun you know, like he or she even you know um and that might not be something that people are really aware of if they just kind of have a surface level understanding of what gender is yeah so i think that's kind of one important thing is just recognizing that like pronouns and independent or pronouns and gender while they're like closely related um are not the same thing right um and I think like, oh, go ahead. Just for mm -hmm. viewers sake, could you give like what your definition for gender or if there is mm -hmm. one in your paper or your definition for <laughs> um, okay. pronouns? Mm -hmm. Like if there is any kind of definition just for maybe some people who haven't heard pronouns as often as most mm -hmm. readies have. Cool, yeah, um, sure. So a pronoun, uh, so in this, in this thesis, it was about third-person gendered pronouns. So in English, you have sort of three very common ones. You have he, you have she, and you have they. Um, and uh, they is actually quite commonly used like as a singular pronoun, um, despite what some people may tell you. It's actually like something something that you actually have like built into your speech is the use of a singular they pronoun, but a lot of people don't realize that. And then a lot of people who are a little more resistant to this stuff um, will kind of be better, but no, it is a singular pronoun. Um, so yeah, so it's like, 
you know, like Jade went to the store, she went to the store, um, kind of that kind of thing. Um, and then gender identity, we didn't really have like a super strict um, like definition for gender identity. It was just like- I don't think there should be one. Right, me neither. <laughs> um, we didn't really, yeah. So we didn't really have a, a super strict definition for that. It was just like, what is sort of like, what, what, what is the gender you think of yourself on the inside basically? Um, you know, kind of separating that from gender presentation. So like how one looks, how one dresses, how one uses makeup and stuff, or um, like how one sort of like one's personality kind of mm -hmm. is presented because even that is gendered. Um, and then also super, super intentionally, we didn't collect any data on, you know, sex assigned at birth, biological sex, um, that kind of thing, because that is, First off, like in my opinion, it's not really relevant. It's not relevant to yeah. gender identity. <laughs> um, second off, like there is not really any use to that once you kind of like recognize that like intersex people are a thing. Um, yeah, there was no argument to be made there. Mm -hmm. There is no need for that data. Mm -hmm. Exactly um so yeah go ahead oh sorry no continue what you were oh, gonna say um i think like one thing that i kind of ran into in my orals was that like i think there were some professors who weren't super comfortable with that um or sort of thought that they that that like some kind of measure of like are you sort of perceived as like a man or perceived as a woman um or like do you present uh, in a masculine way or a feminine way um they kind of were, were suggesting that like we add some sort of questions about that but like kind of going back to like why we chose to do a write-in for the gender thing was like because we don't really want to privilege certain aspects of like presentation or identity over another so like even masculine feminine is <clears throat> you know at the end of the day like there are just people <clears throat> who like don't identify as masculine or feminine um be that like an intentional choice or it's just simply not part of their culture because like you know the gender binary <laughs> and like men and women are you know ultimately something that comes from like it's a colonial gender construct and there are tons of other genders um that exist so yeah that's why we didn't do that yeah it's a good reason um <clears throat> so do you do you have any skills that you think you acquired or strengthened during the thesis writing process? Uh, I mean, I've never done, like, I've never really done my own study before. Um, you know, I had some practice in some upper level psych classes, but those were cognition classes that, so, so it was a completely different kind of scale and a completely different methodology. Um, so, I think I definitely like picked up like how how to design how to design survey items. So the the um, survey questions that I used, we brought in three pre-existing surveys that have been used in other studies that have been validated previously. Um, we had um, the transgender inclusive behavior scale which was sort of meant 
it's like a measure of how many behaviors you do that sort of support trans people. Um, and that was kind of intended as a measure of kind of like intentionality around trans people. Like, are you, are you actively doing things to support trans people? Um, we had the uh, transgender um, congruent scale. Yeah, yeah, transgender congruent scale. So that was a series of questions that kind of um, quantified like how congruent one, one feels with um, your, um, your gender presentation, your body, how that all matches with your internal gender identity. And then we had two short items, um, just uh, misgendering frequency questions that were used previously. So all of the questions that I made, which I think were about 30, um, were kind of phrased similarly and built around those other surveys um, because like you need to sort of, especially in an area that's so novel and unexplored, like you need to uh, sort of be tying yourself back to the existing literature in some way. Um, so that was something I picked up. Mm -hmm. I got a lot better at R because um, <laughs> I wrote the whole thesis in R Markdown. Um, yeah, which was fun. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so how do you think this thesis experience will inform your life after read? It's like sort of in the fields that I'm looking at. Well, well, I have a job now, but it's not research. Um, but I was applying to research jobs. <laughs> so it's like legitimately like good work experience. Um, I mean, I'm also thinking about trying to get the data published um, and sort of validating my own items as their own actually like validated scale um because this this research like as cool as it is and as impressive of a data set as we have <laughs> like there are there are certain issues with it where it can't really be like because we use such like a, a specific population of undergrads like it can't really be generalized to everyone you know like trans people mm -hmm. maybe who don't have a college education and stuff, um, things like that. So I might try to publish it. I mean, I think it's also just cool to have data on pronouns because like no no one really has that. So, you know, I'll like log on to Twitter and I'll see people be arguing about like gender pronouns are the yes. same thing. So that's why like lesbians that use he, him pronouns like don't exist or whatever. Um, and uh, honestly, like that was kind of one of the reasons that I drifted towards this like specific area in, in particular, because I was just like, I'm so tired of seeing all these dumb like bickerings about like what some person thinks pronouns mean, what some person thinks gender mean. Um, and so I was like, mm -hmm. okay, let's just go get some data on this and do some analysis. And I was like, okay, like I'm right. <laughs> you guys <Yeah>. are wrong. <laughs> nice. Um, is there anything else you wanted to add? I would say, um, I don't know, I guess like I would recommend to not wait until like February to nail down your topic. That was a bad idea. Um, yeah, <laughs> that's, uh, I really spent the first oh, yeah. <laughs> semester at re <laughs> not really um, like, I did not have my thesis topic locked down at all. I was just like, oh, gender. Um, and so that was regrettable. <laughs> um, 
Yeah. I don't know. Nice. Okay, cool. Um, it's been super nice to hear about your thesis and to hear from you. I hope <laughs> you're doing well. Thank Congrats you. on graduating and this job. I hope yeah. Portland's been fun. It, <laughs> it's, you know, it's kind of boring right now, but I'm glad to be here, I think. I like Portland. Thank you, Jade, for your time and for telling us about your thesis and the amount and kinds of work that went into it. Thank you for listening, and I hope you join us again to talk to more seniors about their thesis and better understand why you'd want to burn your draft. Burn Your Draft is a production of Reed College and the Center for Life Beyond Reed, created jointly by students, alumni, and staff. This episode was produced and engineered by me, Reed College student Frank Tangerlini. Our executive producer is Seth Paskin, class of 1990, with technical advising from staff member Joe Janiga. Nate Martin, staff member and alumnus, is our project manager. Music by alumni Jack Salvucci and podcast art by alumni Henry Gottschlich and Lillianne Pham. This podcast was made possible by a gift from Seth Paskin.